What were for you the biggest surprises in the story that you covered so far in the book from 6973? You know, given your own depth of knowledge, you know, accrued down the years and all the materials that you now gathered for this project. What what were the ones that come to mind that were kind of were mind blowing for you? George Martin goes down to Jamaica to meet with the producers of uh, Live and Let Die, and they hear the recording and they say, oh, nice demo. Who are we going to get to sing it? Um, (laughs) I knew there was something wrong with that story, but until we saw the contract, it was hard to tell exactly what was wrong with the story. What the producers were asking was who they were going to get to sing the song the second time it appears in the film, which is in a disco scene you know, well into the film, and they wanted mm. a female singer or a soul group or something. And we, when we found the contract or the memo of agreement, which is, by the way, really out there for anyone to get if they can figure out where to find it. It's in the University of Wisconsin. Uh, they have a, a film collection, and a lot of the documents for the James Bond films are there. Um, <laughs> and we we got a copy of it. And it turns out that, uh, you know, it was obviously clear from the start that the Paul McCartney and Wings version that these producers had played and George Martin brought down there was what was going to be used for the title credits. I mean, it was, they, they commissioned Wings to do it. They commissioned Paul to write it and Wings to record it. The, mm. the second performance was originally going to be by The Fifth Dimension, and Paul had, oh God. Paul had agreed to produce their recording of it. George Martin wouldn't have known the details of the contract. And so he's mm. telling the story, and he simply misunderstood the question he was being asked. But Paul <laughs> telling the story, that's different, because Paul did know what was in the contract, you know? It's just that it's yeah. such a great story. And there's no yeah. reason to assume anyone's going to get their hands on the contract. Why, you know, really, why would anybody, unless they were, I guess, are writing a detailed biography? So, you know, it, from from his point of view, it, it's just a great tale. He knows it's not true, or maybe he's forgotten that it's not true, you know? Yes. Another thing that was a surprise to me was that Another Day the, is his first single, uh, that yeah. song, I mean, we knew that parts of it went back to the Get Back sessions because he plays some of it there. But what we didn't know was that that originally was commissioned as a film song for a film called The Raging Moon. Um, right. And he was asked to write just a sad song. And the first thing he came up with uh, for for this thing is... You know, so sad, so sad, which is in the middle of another day. And then he sort of reached back yes. to the Beatles era and picked out the verses of another day from from then. Um, this is something he does. You know, he'll if he'll start a song, and if if something that he's done in the past occurs to him as something that might fit, he'll go back and grab it. But we didn't know that this was going to be a film song, and he put together the song uh, and and was a little non-committal about whether he would do the film song he, he told the director that he wanted to see the film um, yeah. so he had the song done he had already made a demo went to see the film 
decided he didn't really like it. He didn't think it was cast that well. And although it had Malcolm McDowell in it, and it was before Clockwork Orange, uh, it, it, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, I've seen mm. the film. It's an okay film. Yeah. It's, you know, um, yeah. and uh, so he just said, you know, I really kind of think the song that I wrote isn't really going to suit the film. And so he pulled out of it. And I think Burke Bagrax wrote, wrote the song that was used in the film. Uh, yeah. But, you know, it was, it was a surprise that that was a film song uh, predating uh, by really? a couple of years, uh, Live and Let Die, which everyone thinks was his first film song. Um, yeah. And actually, if all things had gone as planned, would have been his third film song because he had been asked to do, um, I think, Diamonds Are Forever. Um, because John Barry was at loggerheads with the producers at Eon Films, which do the Bond films, and they were fighting. And so they went to Paul and said, would you be interested in doing a theme song for Diamonds or Forever? And he said, yeah, you know, I think so. But by the time he was about to start or by the time they would have gotten into going into contract, uh, John Barry had settled his dispute with Eon, and so John Barry was going to be writing the thing. So, um, so that would have been his second if he had done Raging Moon, and then Live and Let Die would have been his third. By that time, he would have been quite a seasoned little film composer. So that was a surprise. <laughs> well, of course, you're forgetting some other songs that he wrote for films, Alan. You know, uh, Come and Get Hard it. Day's Night and... and <laughs> <laughs> Come and get no, no, how about those ones he did with that group, uh, what they called that pop combo, uh, The Beatles? Yeah, uh, right. Well, it would have been his third <laughs> solo film song. To hear more of this interview, go to Buskin' with the Beatles on Patreon. That's www.patreon.com forward slash... BWTB.